0: Welcome. Super glad that you could um, be with us wherever you are in this moment together. Uh, if you've been with us before, you know that we're back in this series. Uh, Sticky notes last week, appropriately so, I believe. We took a little break to just talk through something that I think was necessary, which was to pursue the possibility of peace uh, in, in an environment, an atmosphere where it feels like anxiety is everywhere and chaos is rampant. Like, Like, how can we Pursue peace, and so that was that was last week. But we're back in this series, actually winding down, um, called Sticky Notes, where we've been wrestling through um, just truth that we would hope cling to our souls, uh, truth from the Scriptures. And so even in our preaching, it, it honestly, at times feels a little bit more devotional, and that's okay. That's good. Um, if you have a Bible, meet me in Psalms. We're going to be in um, Psalm 150 for the rest of our time. In fact, it's, it's actually a little weird uh, just to even think about what we're going to be talking about today given our moment in time, uh, but, but honestly, I, I feel like it's absolutely necessary. It, for me, just in, in my life as a Christian, there was a moment where like the, the light bulb got turned on and, and things changed, and, and you know all of us have these moments where like truth hits us differently. And then everything is different after we've been hit by truth. Example, I am on a journey where I've been realizing that I am lactose intolerant. Really, I just feel like lactose sensitive. And so I've entered into uh, the arena of the few who can't have dairy. And it sucks, all right? I miss ice cream, I miss, I miss pizza, it, it, it sucks. And uh, vegan cheese is not really cheese, but it is what it is. Now, uh, in this journey, as I was trying to really now adjust my diet and really adjust um, what type of food I was intaking, I learned something. Did you know that Oreos are vegan? Did you know that? They had no, had no clue, but I was, I was like, oh. So I can't have this bluebell, which is from the Lord. I can't have pizza, but I can have Oreos because God loves me, right? And, and so it was one of those things where like I, I, I got aware of some truth and it radically changed everything else and in my christian life there was this moment for me like when i realized oreos were vegan it was when i came across a scripture so i was at a very dark place in my christian life it was just man i wasn't sure if i still wanted to be a, a christian let alone a pastor i mean there was just a lot of stuff happening around me happening inside me i mean i I could barely utter prayers. I was fake smiling for my family. And I came across this scripture in Jude. And it reads like this, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And that, that was comforting to me. That was like, okay, I'm in this moment of struggle, but God is able to keep me that my struggle won't shipwreck my faith. That was comforting. It, it soothed me a little bit. But there was something that excited me, the rest of that verse, which is this. Not only, not unto him who's able to keep you from stumbling, it's and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With great joy. And so, not only is there this power God possesses and employs to keep people from stumbling in such a way where they shipwreck their faith. But that same power, not onto him who's able, that he possesses, his employees, is to also present people before his presence with great joy. And something, something clicked for me. Something clicked for me. I realized that God's plan isn't my survival, it's flourishing. Like God's plan isn't survival, it's flourishing. Now, before you think that he's some humanistic guy, if you know me, you know that's not the case. Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 7, so after God has talked about this powerful truth called the gospel that we were dead and broken because of our sin, yet God in love comes in and makes us alive by grace. You get to verse 7, it says this. So that, adding a why or a reason, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3, 9-10. through 10. And so, so, so God is starting to, through Paul, explain the mystery of the gospel, his salvific work for us. He says, and th- to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. So that through the church, as the people of God who have believed the truth of God, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places that, that this glorious gospel plan f- is for our good, that God could boast about what he did in us. And there's this glorious boast when we delight in him. God's plan is not my survival, it's flourishing. And, and that, man, that hit me differently a, a light bulb came on which is why this day is enjoyed it week 1 it was this whole idea walk with god week 2 it's loved well and now it's enjoyed it and the reason is because as you search the scriptures what you find is that because of god joy it's always an option that is on the table. And, but everything that's happening right now, everything that's going on around us, where, I mean, social distancing is at its highest, and our city, man, it just feels like the apocalypse. I mean, we, we say, you're coming soon. And yeah, is that you, Lord? Just the way everything is working itself out, it could be a moment where we, we shrink back, but oh, that we would see that joy is an option that is always on the table. And it's an option that's not just on the table. It's an option that we should take off the table and have rest in our hearts. So the rest of our time is that. It's how do we take this option that is always on the table off the table? Like how do we grab it? How do we lay hold of it? How do we live in light of it? And for that, that's Psalm 150. As we walk through, there's really three things I think that will help us to take it off the table in a way that transforms our life. And after we look at those three things, I'll give us a tool before we close. Would you read with me Psalm 150, it reads like this, praise the Lord, exclamation point. Praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sounds, praise him with the lute and a harp, Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's get to work. Lot here. It is an abundantly profound, Passage. It it ends the prayer journal of the people of God. And I think it's a fitting end because even if you track through the flow of Psalms, they're, they're the cries of the people's hearts when things aren't going well, when life isn't at its best, when it's not as sweet as it can be. Yet as you track the movement of Psalms, it's fitting that even through life, we should move in a direction towards praise. And the end of prayer is the praise of God. That's Psalm 150. That's the book of Psalms. But, but this, this, this first statement, uh, verse 1, praise the Lord, exclamation. It is a multi-layered, loaded statement. It's multi-layered. One, it's impressive. One layer is how impressive it is. Praise the Lord, period. Such a, a daring Declaration means that there's this comprehensive or relatable worth. You don't say praise to something that's not praiseworthy. And so it's all throughout there. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! It starts and ends with it, and it is impressive because it is going to expand the worthiness of God. It's multi-layered. It's impressive. It's not just impressive though. It's a little terrifying. Praise the Lord period exclamation no no condition attached not praise the lord when x y and z okay not praise the lord if a b and c no conditions just praise him praise the lord multi-layered impressive terrifying because it means that it should take place regardless of what's happening around me and even inside me, which leads to the layer that honestly, I think carries the most weight, it's imperative. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Praise the Lord, do it. Now, that's weird, that's, that's a little tricky because there's something in the human heart that lives for blurring lines between suggestions and commands. Miami, who can tell me the speed limit on 95? No one, you don't know it, I don't know it. I know the speed limit is whatever I want it to be until I see a cop. And then the speed limit is about plus or minus five, whatever he's going or she's going. Fair? True? Yes, right? And it, mine is a little weird because it's like really like plus or minus 10. We'd be speeding up in that Like you don't know the speed limit of mine. Now there's a, there's a, there is one. There is one. And if you break it, there are consequences, but we blur the lines. And so we really treat the speed limit like it's a suggestion not a command. That's what we do with this. Praise the Lord. Maybe. Praise the Lord. Well, if all these things line up, it's like, no. This is an imperative. Praise the Lord. Always. Now, here's what's even more exciting about This command to praise the Lord is also a command to take him as our joy. The command to praise is a command to delight. Praise the Lord can be read, delight in him. We know this to be true because in Isaiah... The, the prophet writes this, but then Jesus is going to pick this up in Matthew. He says, Man, there's these people who are supposed to be mine, but you know what they do? They they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so this command of praise the Lord cannot be merely uttering words that are lip service. No. The command of praise the Lord can also be taken as delight in him. To praise the Lord is to take him as our delight. Is to take him as joy. To see him as worthy and to pursue him as such. And if it's take him as joy, that means God commands us to pursue joy. And I like that. We want to take the option of joy off the table and actually put it in our hearts and live it out, the first thing is we have to see the pursuit of joy not as a suggestion that's offered, but a command that's required. The pursuit of joy is not a suggestion that is offered, it is a command that is required. Praise the Lord. Now, he's going to expand on the wise of praise the Lord. Verse, verse 2. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Real subtle here. I like it. So God gives this command, you know, praise me, but he also makes provision for us to actually fulfill the command. Praise me but let me give you the fuel for praising me. Take me as your joy. Take me as your delight, but let me give you the fuel for it. Remember my mighty deeds. Remember my excellent greatness. Now, in the book of Psalms, the, the last five, they're, they're praise Psalms. They're, they're, they're what we call hallels, where, where it's this shout of exc- exclamation, like, like God, you're, you're worth this. You're, you're good. They're, they're these... Cries of joy from the depths of our hearts. And when it says, praise him for his mighty deeds, there's a lot of places we could look. But one psalm in particular stands out to me. Psalm 146. It reads like this. Part of it says this. Verse 5 through 9. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God. Verse 6, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Look at his deeds. He lifts up those who are bowed down. Look at the way he's attentive to the most vulnerable. He doesn't stand off at a distance. He moves close, watches over the sojourners, upholds the widow and the fatherless, executes justice for the oppressed. Psalm 147 picks that up It says this, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I like verse four, he determines the number of the stars and he gives to all of them their names. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. If you want to summarize the deeds and greatness of God, you'd have a hard time doing so, but eventually you would come to two conclusions the first is he's personal all of the deeds of god that are mighty move in accord with relationship he's personal others stand at a distance i come up close people see the vulnerable as an opportunity to come up i'm gonna take advantage of them I see it as an opportunity to care, he's personal. But what brings even more weight to the fact that he's personal in his mighty deeds is that he's powerful, determines the numbers of the stars, gives to all of them their names, gaseous balls of light, Becky, Sue, John. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them? I did that. He's powerful, and yet he's personal. God is exceedingly powerful, yet shockingly personal. And that makes him worthy of praise. It becomes a foundation for great joy. Praise him, praise him, and his mighty deeds according to his excellent, excellent greatness. It's the fuel, it's the fuel. It it fills the heart with truth of who God is, which gives us the energy to pursue him as our joy. Now, even in in reading that and just sitting with that for the last few weeks, What's been interesting to me is that ain't easy. And it's something I know, but it's also something I easily forget. And amnesia runs rampant in the life of a Christian, but amnesia always leads to sorrow. So man, I've gotten two surgeries in my life. I got a surgery on my knee, ACL reconstruction surgery, when I was 23, and I got another surgery on my other knee, ACL reconstruction surgery, when I was 33, 10 years apart. You know what was similar about both those times? When I got the surgery, all I wanted was gummy bears. Gummy bears and medicine, and I survived. But this last go around, last year, when I got the surgery, man, I was like, y'all, I'm good, hurt, But you know what? I'm going to do this PT. I'm going to kind of cut a little bit short, and I'm going to start running again because i got to stay active. I want to be able to do stuff with my kids. And so I missed PT one day because I was really cutting it short, but don't tell my wife. So I missed PT one day, and I was like, I'm going to make it up, and I'm going to go to the gym. So I went to the gym. I got on the treadmill. I just went after it. Woke up that next morning dying. I was like, yo, what happened? And then it dawned on me. I was like, wait a second. I'm 33 (laughs) I'm 33 it hit it hit different it hit differently because in my mind I was like yo I'm just gonna I'm just I'm just gonna go to the gym and, and I'll be good and I forgot that I'm not 23 that I was 33 and I paid for it because that's what happens with amnesia when you forget sorrow is always lurking around the corner when we forget The mighty deeds, the excellent greatness of God, what happens is our our hearts start to get emptied of strength because they get emptied of joy. Because if he's not mighty, if he's not exceedingly great, then we have to be. We have to be mighty when the world around us is falling apart. We have to be great to make sure that people find hope. Do you know what the word for that is? Arrogance. It's not just amnesia, it's arrogance. And arrogance and amnesia poison joy. It's poison. It leads to the second thing that I think we can do to take joy off the table, hold it, put it in our hearts and live from that space. The first is to see its pursuit as something that's required, command. The next is to determine to fill our hearts with memories of grace. To fill our hearts with memories of grace. Praise him for his mighty deeds. That means personalizing the grace of God in my life. In fact, what I've seen in my heart and the heart of people I counsel is if I don't fill my heart with memories of grace, it easily gets flooded by moments of grief. I got a war for that thing. God, you're gracious, you're mighty. This is how you've proven it over and over and over again. Last bit. So praise the Lord, not a suggestion of command. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens everywhere. Praise him for his mighty deeds. He's worthy. Praise him according to his excellent greatness, personal yet powerful. Powerful yet personal. And then you get this last bit. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, that's expansive. That is not an exhaustive list of all of the instrumentation that you need to praise God. It is an expansive way of saying that all of life is at our disposal to praise him. And again, if we are to understand that the command to praise the Lord, to praise God, can also be taken as pursue joy. That means all of life is at our disposal for joy. Everything around us. That shouldn't be confusing if we've read the story of God. So Genesis chapter two, after God has created all these things, he, he, he says this, powerful, he says, look, God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded a man saying this, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. He says, look, there's freedom. You can eat it all, you can have it. How many trees were in the garden? It was this oasis of pleasure and joy. You can have it, Adam. I'm walking with you in the cool of the day. Enjoy. Enjoy it. But there's this one tree, Just this one tree that you can't eat of because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. It's a limitation, but it's a good one because you and I know, we know that there are certain restrictions that are actually for the furtherance of joy. Don't run in the street, Noah. Don't touch the stove, serenity. Don't punch that dude who's 6'8'' in the face, Joel. There's certain restrictions that we give, not because we're withholding pleasure, but because we're trying to secure it. In fact, limitation when it comes from God, it's to secure freedom and greater joy, not to keep us from it. Adam, there's this endless world that you can enjoy don't do this because once you do, this glorious world that I've made for you to enjoy, it's going to be tainted and you're going to die. Restriction that doesn't remove the reality that all of life is at our disposal for joy. Everything. But it leads to this Truth that helps us to take joy off the table. We are to use everything at our disposal in line with God's design. Want to further joy? We use everything at our disposal in line with God's design. And so this is hard generationally. Oh, this is hard generationally. For for my generation and a generation that's coming after mine in particular. So it's spring break season in Miami. You know what other season it is in Miami? It's COVID season. This is why we're virtual, I mean, yet people are coming here and, and it's like, yeah, I still, I'm, I'm still just gonna go enjoy the beach. And I, I get it. But I just want you to know, because you did that, our city got shut down today. You're welcome, all right? and so. But it, but it had me just think like, yo, we are hyper-pragmatic as it relates to pleasure. Does it work? Yes. Will it further joy? Yes. I'm with it. But we have to lean not into, does something work? We have to lean to, what is its design? I am an apple guy love iPhones. iPhones are terrible Frisbees. I'm not gonna go play catch with this thing. Now I could, and it'd work. If I'm real bored, I could just start throwing it, But you would see me doing that, and you'd be like, either he's loaded or he's loony. He, he has money or he's crazy. Cause you, that's not what it was made for. All of the world around us is made for our benefit but not just our benefit, but to lead us to the point where we do the end of Psalm 150, which is use everything to say, thank you, God. You're good. You can't name something that can't be used towards that end when it's used according to his design. Food. Oh, I love it. I love food. Do you know that three times minimum, maybe five a day, there's something that happens inside you. Inside you, you start groaning. You're like, yeah, I need something. Maybe I'll get me some of these vegan Oreos because I'm hungry. And you eat these vegan Oreos and you're good to go. And you're able to taste the double stuff. And you're like, yeah, this is good. But you know what else you're able to do? If you're willing, if your eyes have been opened by the truth of who God is and how all things are made for joy in line with his design, you're able to say, man, every single time I'm hungry, and I then reach for this glorious vegan Oreo, I am saying that I need something outside of me to satisfy what's happening inside of me. Wait a second. I need something else, I need God. That all of life is for our joy and when it's used in line with God's design, it leads us to praise. God, how clever are you? How wise are you that you would create the world around us? Joy is always an option that's on the table. And if we're gonna take it off the table first, we have to see pursuing it not as a suggestion that's offered, but as a command that's required. We have to determine to fill our hearts with memories of grace, his goodness in our lives, primarily through the gospel, Jesus coming for my sake, Jesus dying in my place because I abuse the good things that God has placed around me, not to further joy as God would have it, but to pragmatically pursue my own pleasure. So I have to determine to fill my heart with memories of his grace, but I also have to use everything at my disposal in line with God's design. Let me give you a tool and then leave you with a thought. I don't know where you are with your joy. I know in conversations that I've been having with people, it's a little faint for some of us. But let me give you a barometer to measure where you are with joy and some questions that may create greater awareness. The joy barometer. I wanna know where I'm tracking with joy. got I look at attitude. Like how do I respond to difficulty? I got to look at energy. Do I have fuel for what's in front of me? There's this passage in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8, where after the exiles have returned to, to come and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple, Ezra gets up and he reads the law, and the law was a weight on them, and they were grieving and sorrowful, but then he, he says to them in, in, in Nehemiah 8, 10, no, no, no. Don't, don't be grieved, don't be sad. In fact, take heart, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember this grace. Remember the fact that you're actually here. Remember what he did in the past and what he's doing now. Remember the promise that's coming. And, and by doing so, be filled with joy and have energy. Keep building. Do I have fuel for what's in front of me? If I don't, my joy may be lacking. Attitude, energy, but not just energy, outlook how am I interpreting the present and the future? When I see the world around me, do I always lean into sorrow? Or when I see the world around me, even when it's seemingly at its worst, do I lean into something better than optimism, better than some quasi-magical silver lining thing? Do I lean into joy? Do I lead into the reality that as bad as things may get, God is powerful and he's able to keep them from going completely off The rails? Do I lean into joy remembering his mighty deeds? That as bad as things might get or as dark as things might seem, he's personal. So he's not going to forsake me or forget me like I do him. Do I lean into joy the same way Jesus did? Man, probably going to say this every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Monday, pick a day for like the next six months. Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy, who for joy, the joy set before him, endured a cross. Do I lean into joy? We have a ton of margin right now where our city is shut down. We have margin. God in his wisdom has said for such a time as this, I will provide space for people to lean in to me. If we are busy, it is a choice. But we have the margin to lean into joy. Would we take it? Would we not be consumed by our present moment? But would we lean into joy? And would the outcome of that be us saying and singing Psalm 150? Let's pray. God, um, when it's all said and done, would it be said of your people that we enjoyed the journey, and that we didn't look for ways of escape first per se, as much as we looked for ways to know and enjoy you. place. In your name we pray, Jesus.